All right, if you have your Bibles with you today, uh, please go to Genesis chapter 24. If you need a Bible, I'm trusting there's some sitting back in the sound room area. I want to start today in uh, Genesis chapter 24. I have been working on messages concerning uh, the will of God and thusly that uh, my Bible tells me begins with you coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ for God's not uh, willing that any should perish this is the will of God Paul wrote uh, that all men would be saved and uh, Jesus Christ uh, well we know that he came to uh, the nation of Israel and nationally he was offered himself as their king Uh, they rejected him and thusly Jesus turned to all men not only the Gentiles, but all men, anybody who, it became a, a whosoever will. And salvation's a very simple thing. Uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, I have jokingly always said, and it's really not a joke, I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And when Jesus Christ gave me eternal life, he put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that this little five foot seven overweight man, I wasn't overweight when I was 20, but I was still five, five foot seven. He put the cookies on the bottom shelf. He didn't put them up where uh, a guy like Shaquille O'Neal could only get them at seven foot, what is he, four, something like that. He didn't put them way up on the 18th shelf. Religion makes salvation very complicated. You have an eternal God that made salvation simple. Simple. It is through his Son. For by, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Because if I could work, if you think you're righteous enough to get yourself into heaven, then you're going to boast about it in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while there may be boasting down here, I can guarantee you I've read this book for 45 years. There's no boasting in heaven. The only one who gets boasted about is the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this to you, regardless of what the Supreme Court has done, there is only one sin that will keep you out of heaven. It is unbelief. Regardless of what your propensities are, regardless of what your tastes are, there's always price to pay for sin. There's always prices to pay. But there is only one. Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world. John 3, 16 and 17 and 18 and the rest. But that the world through him might be saved. The world was already dead 
when God stepped out of heaven and took over the body of Jesus in the womb of a virgin. The world was condemned when Adam walked out of that garden lost. God provided a way. And then we got into sanctification because 1 Thessalonians, there's a verse that says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Sanctification is purification. You getting clean, me getting clean. Now I have a clean spirit today because I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at the age of 20. After 20 years of hearing the gospel and blowing it off, My spirit has been quickened, my soul has been redeemed, but I've got this house of clay, and what you're looking at and what I'm looking at today, I didn't inherit this from God. I inherited inherited this from Adam, Genesis chapter 5. And this thing still isn't saved. So it's got tastes, and it's got desires. And as I spoke to one of our young men the other day, how do you overcome this? Because now you have to renew your mind. That's what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. That's what this is, that's, that is what this is about this morning. I'm going to be honest with you. This is not about winning people to Jesus Christ in here. Now, if you're not saved, we certainly want you to get saved today. But this is this place. Our gathering today is not about winning the lost to Jesus Christ. I was raised in a Christianity like that. Just bring the lost into the church house. No, our meeting today is the perfecting of the saints. I need to get clean in this body. He said to present your body. He didn't say present your soul or present your spirit. That's already been presented. I need to recognize this morning that this thing I live in and I'm waving around is a temple. We live in a city that likes to put graffiti on buildings. What do you do with this temple that God lives in? Do you misuse it? Do you mark it up? Do you, do you fill it full of sin? That's what this is about. But I want to go a step further. Let's say, let's say I have decided to present my body... Romans 12, 1, 2, 3, and all the rest of them. Let's say I've presented my body a living sacrifice. But there's a third step in that verse, because it says good and acceptable. Good, it's good you got saved. Acceptable, you get, you're, getting, you're getting purified. And perfect. You know what this is about? This is about taking you from salvation to sanctification to where you begin to look at everything around you and it doesn't satisfy you anymore. And if the world is going this way, my Bible tells me, turn your back on it and go this way. You say, I can't do that. Well, that's your problem then. you got a problem. I can tell you, you're never going to be happy and you're never going to have joy. You're never going to be satisfied. And when you come in here and you see guys waving their hands and saying, Glory to God, Amen, and they're getting happy in Jesus Christ, I know it could all be a show. And you have a problem singing? 
It's because you're stifling the voice of God. But now there's consecration. And consecration is not purification. Consecration is presentation. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I now have you in Genesis chapter 24. And before I go any farther, let's pray. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, Father, I know what you've given to me, Lord. I've read, I've reread, I've thought, put thoughts on paper, I've reworked those, those thoughts. Other men, we chose to just preach, Brother Joe preached and others have preached, and, and uh, I've had time to think, Lord. I've had time to meditate. I've had time to realize how, again, how wonderful Jesus Christ is. And that's what we need. We, we, we don't need me. We don't, need, we don't even need another message. We need you this morning. We need you to do something with your own body, with your own bride, with your own church. Because we're yours. I need shaken this morning. I, I need changed. I need consecrated. And those things that I've consecrated, I, I, need to, uh, I, I need to consecrate my body a living sacrifice. I need to stop dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. I need to fall in love with the Father all over again. Father, I need you. Give us the sense, give us the understanding, and feed us. I would ask of thee, in the name of my lovely Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Genesis chapter 24, I believe, now there's 67 verses, and believe it or not, I'm probably going to read them all. What you have in Genesis chapter 24 In typology, the real people in this story, you have one of the strongest types of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and His church. There are others, there's some other folks in there, we'll talk about one of those folks, and there's some people on the peripheral. But Genesis chapter 24 is, is, is such a wonderful type of the father sending his eldest servant. Abraham is going to be the father. He's obviously called in the New Testament. He's called Father Abraham. Paul referenced him that way. The eldest servant, as we begin to read, you're going to find is a type of the Holy Spirit of God who has been sent by the father to seek a bride for his only son, Isaac. Now, if you know the history of Abraham, he had initially two sons. Ishmael was born prior, before, not to Sarah, but to an Egyptian handmaid named Hagar. But if you go back and read Genesis 22, the offering up of Isaac, 
Ishmael is never mentioned. And yet, and, and the Spirit of God would talk about it, and we'll, we're going to read it here. He would, he would say, thine only son Isaac. Well, that's not really true. But here's what we're going to learn just from that. And then Rebecca, let me just go back and complete a thought. Rebecca, we're going to find out, is a bride. She's going to become a bride. Now, I'm going to give you the heart of what I'm going to try to give you this morning. Just a question. What does the consecrated life look like? Because the consecrated life, while it does take place in the spirit and the soul, it comes out of the body. It comes out of your physical body, and it should come out of the body of this church, this one bread. You have to ask yourself this morning, am I, personally, am I saved? Am I, now, to get saved, you've been sanctified, set apart, purified, spirit and soul. But the Bible talks about this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you know how to possess your vessel. That's the thing you're living in. And I have to ask myself, Pat Dean, do you know how to possess your vessel? Do you know how to play, to, to, to live in this temple? This is what we're missing today. In 20th century and 21st century Christianity, and it grieves me, Christians, I don't, whatever path my nation takes, I may not like it. And I don't have the audience of the world, but I have you this morning. The thing that grieves me and burdens me just in my own life, my own conversation of walk, is that what comes out of this body does not reflect what God put inside. And it's all a choice. Now, I'm going to just say this right to you up front. You're probably not going to walk out of here feeling good today. So if you want to leave, do now. You want to leave? I'm okay with it. You, if, 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 if you don't want to listen anymore, close the book, walk out. Anybody? Any takers? Anybody brave enough? No? Okay, then you're going to listen to me for about an hour. And now I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. What does the consecrated... The word means devoted. The word means dedicated. What are you devoted to today? You can plug a, a lot of different things in there. But if Jesus Christ is not number one, then your devotion is misplaced. I know parents that are devoted to children. There's nothing wrong with that. The few that I have married in all my years of being permitted to marry by the state of New York, I've made this comment to people, that you might learn to love Jesus Christ first, that you might learn to love each other best. I make no bones about it. I'm a hard man to live with it. I've got a personality that's just bizarre sometimes. And my wife has stayed with me. And I'll tell you why. She has learned to love Jesus Christ first. She's learned to give me to the God that she loves. 
and her children to the God that she loves and our ten grandbabies to the God that they that we love. What does a consecrated life... We're not talking about pastoring. We're not talking about holding the office of a bishop. I've been saved 45 years. I just started... I was I, 1995, I became a pastor. Where somebody said, okay, now we're going to let you have the office of a bishop. Do you want it? Sure, I'll take it. I love it. Didn't seek it. I'll be happy digging ditches. Can't dig them very well anymore, but I'm happy digging ditches. I drove truck for a living. We're not talking about holding an office, being a deacon. We're talking about you who are saved in Jesus Christ. What am I doing with this temple that God now indwells? That's what my Bible says. What, know you not that your body is the temple of God? And you're not your own, you're bought with a price? Here's our dilemma today. We have saved souls. We have have quickened spirits. But we have lost lives. Lost lives. And this isn't, let's try to get you to do something. Let's try to get you to work. You know, every once in a while we get things about from churches that have pastor's conferences. There's a church we get it from in this pastor's conference that's coming up. One of the things, and I said it to some of our guys the other day, one of the things that they're going to teach on, here was the topic, word for word, how Bible believers, Bible believers, King James people, bigger than, much bigger than the church than ours, how to use your layman. How to use your layman? Firstly, you're not layman. You're not layman. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Clergy laity. I'm not clergy. You're not laity. Okay, we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I simply hold the office of a bishop. This is a level playing field. I, Pastor Mike, going to be held accountable for more, probably, biblically, because we have, we have the leadership that's put, you don't put a novice in the leadership, you put, you put uh, the office of a bishop, all right? But you're not laity. And here's the other thing that, that I don't like about that. Now, this is a Bible-believing church. King James, using your layman. I'm not using you. You, you, you know, Jesus Christ doesn't even use people. Genesis chapter 24. Let's, uh, I've got, uh, I want to I just read this. Genesis chapter 24. And Abraham was old. Now he died when he was 175. And so he's a little younger than that. But Bible says, and Abraham was old. Genesis 24.1. Well stricken in age, and Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant, of his house, okay? Abraham's the type of the father. Now he's, now you got the eldest servant. And that eldest servant we're going we're gonna to find out is the type of the Holy Spirit of God. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had. Now watch what you're reading. Because you're going to read how God works with his bride, his church. I know it's the Son, Jesus Christ. But the Spirit of God is supposed to rule over this thing. 
This is not me or Pastor Mike or every one of our deacons, named and unnamed, okay? Can't name them all. I forget half the names. We got deacons. We got some elders in here who are not deacons. This isn't about us ruling, even though Hebrews 13 tells me what ruling is all about. But I want you to notice it's the Spirit of God that ruled over everything that the Father had. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the Lord, the God of heaven, and the, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt take a wife unto my son, of the daughters of the Canaanites, not take a wife, daughters of the Canaanites whom I dwell. Now, you've got to remember that back there in Genesis 12, he, he left his own country. All right, He left his own country. And God put him in a country, and he's, he's dwelling with the Canaanites right now. wasn't a good group of people. But thou shalt go unto my country. So he's telling that eldest servant, I want you to go back to my country, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Now again, and I made mention of this about Ishmael. Ishmael is a type of the flesh. Isaac is a type of the promised son. Do you see the evident uh, idea there why God would not mention Ishmael? Do you know God doesn't recognize the flesh? He doesn't. They that walk in the Spirit are the sons of God. God only recognizes whatever's done in this body outside of recognizing it and consecrating it to the Lord Jesus Christ, a living sacrifice of God. Do you know what? It's all flesh. God never recognizes the flesh. I got saved when I was 20. Do you know biblically what that tells me? God didn't recognize the first 20 years of my life. If you got saved when you were 50, sorry, but you didn't. God didn't recognize your first 50 years. If you're five years, only saved five years and you're 55, you're just five years old in the Lord. God does not recognize the flesh. Look at verse 5. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, just perhaps, peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow. Now, I'm, watch words, and I'm going to capitalize on these words. Peradventure the woman. Now, let me just stop there. I've got three points if I get to them, and they all have to do with feminine. Two of them are women and a statement that David makes about something being feminine. And the reason I think I found this is because, do you realize the church is feminine? I know we've got men in this place, we've got young men in this place, but in God's eyes, the body of Christ is feminine. It's God providing a body, a bride, for his son. And the servant said unto, in five unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? All right. Do I, did, did, you know, we're going to move uh, the son around now? No. Abraham says in verse number six, said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. Now look at seven. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my, fa- land of my kindred, 
and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel. Now, watch all the steps and the length that this eldest servant goes to. And these are actual people now. The elder, and you find out that the eldest servant, you never know his name. Do you know that the Holy Spirit of God in John chapter 16 doesn't speak of himself? He always speaks of the Father. He always speaks of the Son. So when I get around a bunch of people, it's just one tell. It's like when you have a uh, when you're playing poker cards and a guy's got a you know he's got a. My wife says you know I you always have to tell honey because when you when you when when you when you're pausing you always do this. It's a tell. So that's why I don't do it anymore because it's a tell. But when I get around a group of people. And all they want to talk about is the Holy Ghost. You're around the wrong group. Because my Bible tells me in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, will never speak of himself. He will always magnify and manifest the Father and the Son. Always. Lord, verse 7. Which spake unto me and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Now, as this unfolds, the Holy Ghost is doing a lot of work here. And I want to show you, we're going to see the little bit of work that Rebecca, a type of the church, did. The Holy Ghost did it all. The eldest servant did it all. Let's continue to read. Eight. So she's got to be willing to follow me. We're trying to answer this question. What does the consecrated life look like? So I think you can see something right off the bat. The first thing that a consecrated life looks like is somebody willing to follow. Follow. We'll elaborate on that. If you're saved, you followed him in salvation. But what about cleaning up your your What about purification? What about sanct What about consecration, devoting? You see, I can be saved. I can have a saved soul and a, and a quickened spirit and a lost life. And that's not what God wants. And as I said, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. You're just getting the sound of the voice, that's all. Eight. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear for this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master. That was a Middle Eastern custom at the time to, in order to verify the doing of something and swear to him concerning this master matter rather. Ten. And the servant took ten pounds, ten camels, excuse me, of the camels of his master and departed. Now watch what the rest of that verse says. For all the goods of his master, that means that's not only, that that's really Abraham, that's the father. For all the goods of his master were in his hand, were in the, were in the hands of the eldest servant. So the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you and I right now, he has everything the Father wants you to have. Everything. Does that mean I live in a 
$12 million home? Are we? Don't even go there. That's stupidity. Jesus Christ told some people, foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. But everything, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're not only an heir of God, but whatever God the Father gives to His Son, do you realize, church, you're going to be a joint heir? What are we doing with this temple down here? Do you know what America needs today? Come on! You know what the darkness of our, our beloved, my beloved country, that these guys are, I want to say a word and I cannot because I, you're recording this. They're just, I said to my wife the other day, you know what I grieve for? He's in heaven. My daddy's in heaven. Her daddy, Carl, both World War II veterans, they're in heaven. Some of you had fathers or relatives in World War II. I grieve. You know what they're doing? They're laughing in the face of those good men. They laid down their lives so that you, could, you and I could be in this room this morning. Korea, Vietnam, my war, Vietnam. Desert storm, name them all, all the way to the present. They're spitting away this country. And those men who loved God, really loved, they might not have been saved, but you want to know something? They were men. And they were women, many women too. And he arose in verse number 10 and went to Mesopotamia under the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water. Interesting that the Spirit of God got around the well of water. A well of water. Keep a, keep a finger in Genesis and go to John 4.14. John 4, 4. Yeah, Genesis. John 4.14. Just want you to see this. The Spirit of God. That eldest servant was a type of the Holy Spirit of God who was sent by the Father, had all of the Father's wealth, and went looking for a, a, a bride. We're going to find out that the, the bride, all she had to do was follow. All she had to do was follow. That's the first thing of a consecrated life. Are you willing to follow? We follow a lot of things. I'm not going to go into that. Right now, every one of us are following something. But are you following Jesus Christ? Are you following him? Do you know you follow something you love? Don't tell me you love Jesus Christ. Come on. I've been at this too long. I'm not a novice. I wasn't born in a cave, and I didn't crawl out of the, under, from underneath the rock yesterday. I've been at this long enough. Don't tell me you love Jesus Christ and you won't follow him. It just doesn't work that way. I've read this Bible from cover, read, read it for 45 years, cover to cover, trying to get through it every year. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. And nowhere do I find I can love Jesus Christ and do my own thing. 
And I'm not talking about, oh, you know, being out passing out tracks every, every, every day of the week. I'm not talking, no, I'm talking about being pastor. I'm not talking, we're not talking about any of that. But do you love him? Man said it this morning and said it very well, said it 10,000 times, more eloquent than I'll ever. But you want to know something? When I hang around with guys, I like getting together with the guys. You know, we go out and do something. But you want to know who I really like to hang out with? That little gray-haired lady sitting right there. I'd rather hang out with her than anybody in this room. You say, you don't love us. No, I just like to hang. I, I, I really love her. I really, really, really love her. <laughs> you say amen, baby? Can you say amen? You did. Did you say amen? Okay. I get home sometimes. I say, baby, when I ask you a question, don't shake your head. Just say yes or no. Say amen. Say Hallelujah. I just committed myself before 200 people. God Almighty. Look at John chapter 4. What are that? I think I had verse, uh, verse 14. He's talking to a woman here. This is a Samaritan woman. I just want you to see uh, 4.14 of the book of John. Because... The, the servant there, that eldest servant, type of the Holy Spirit of God, he went to a well. That's what it said. In 11 said, and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water. Look at 14 of John 4. But whosoever drinketh of, of the water that I, I shall give him shall never thirst. So they're at a well. It was physical water. Jesus Christ is going to tell this Samaritan, well, this Samaritan woman, I'm going to give you water that comes from a well that's never going to run dry. It's always going to be good, clear, crystal water. It's not going to have any amoebas in it or any crawlies. It won't have any dead animals in it that you can't see. But whosoever drinketh of, of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Well of water. So you know what that tells me? You got a well of water in your hand. I don't have the physical Lord Jesus Christ soon. Well, hope we will soon. But he left us with his word. I've got his written. I got a, a well of water. You know what the spirit of God uses? He uses this well of water. Don't think you're going to get pure. Don't think you're going to consecrate your life without the well of water. Without the book. Reading about the, some excerpts on, on George Mueller, a great, great man of prayer, had the orphanages, and over the years about 10,000 boys and girls came through his, his orphanages and other schools that he started. But he said, I used to spend hours in prayer. But he said, the older I got physically and in the Lord, I realized, you know what? I really don't even know how to pray until I spend time in the Word of God. So he said, I would spend, I would read. I would read and I would read. And I have found this to be true. The more I read, the more I pray. This book makes me pray. This book makes me pray. Look at 12. And he said, O Lord my God, O Lord God of, of my master Abraham. Uh, he's, the eldest servant is talking because these are real people. He says, I pray thee, now watch what he says, I pray thee, send, 
Send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, 13, back in Genesis 24. And the daughters of men in the city of the city uh, come out to draw water and let us let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed. I want to stop right there. Say this to our young men and women. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it just the way Pat Dean says it. Don't you go hunting for a wife. Did you see that this 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 Rebecca meeting the the Holy Spirit going to get a wife for Isaac? Did you see the word appointment? Appointment. There's a lot of attractions physically. Men look at certain things. Women look at certain things. That's the way we're all hardwired. But you know what makes it last? When, When both of you are drawn to each other because of the Holy Spirit of God and the well of water. And if you're, if some of you are about ready, you're engaged now, but on the verge of getting married. And let me say this to you. You better start with the word of God. Deb and I were lost when we got saved. Shortly after we got married, then we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And finally we got into the Word of God. And the Word of God has kept us together all these years. As I said, she's, she's like, the, the woman's the fourth part of the Trinity. She's had to deal with me for 47, 48 years. I can tell you this, it's only God. But if you're thinking about getting married, you better make sure that both of you are saved and both of you have some compatibility, some unity in the well of water, the Word of God. Or you're going to have trouble. Even with the Word of God, you got a man and a woman. Guess what? What is that? Mars and some other planet. Is Venus? Thank you. Somebody read the book. You get two different planets. <laughs> Men are hardwired one way, women are hardwired the other way. Wonderful unity. God put it all together. But guess what? Without the well of water? It ain't gonna work. You're gonna have more problems, the problems are gonna overwhelm you. But this relationship, the church, you know where it started? You're getting saved. It started with the Holy Spirit of God being sent by the Father to take the Word of God and win you to the Son, and so you can become His bride. You say, I just chose to get saved. You, you it was an appointment. You had an appointment. You had an appointment. I survived Vietnam because of a disease. I got into a terrible car accident. And that morning I got saved. You know what the Holy Spirit of God said to me? Really? You know what he said to me? And it wasn't an audible voice. But boy, I was listening that morning. You know what he said to me? He said, strike one. Vietnam. Strike. I, I didn't get saved. I blew that off. Strike two. Terrible car accident. Debilitated me for a while. Spirit of God said, strike one, strike two. And the Spirit of God whispered in my ear and said, you do know three strikes and you're out, right? 
You have an appointment this morning. That's what it said. That's the word. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not preaching. I'm reading. <laughs> let her, let the same be she, in verse 14, that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and, sh- and thereby shall know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel, uh, 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 son of Milcah, that's the woman, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, which with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Now watch all the circumstances that God works here. And the damsel was very fair. By the way, do you know that uh, Isaac, if you go on a couple more chapters forward, Isaac was 40 years old when he, when he got married. So some of you 19-year-olds and 20s, don't worry about it. Be patient. Slow down. Quit beating the horse. Wow, wow, wow. Got to find a bride. Wow. Got to find a husband. Wow. Beat the horse. Beat the... No. Back the horse up. Back the horse up. Put that poor, wounded horse back in the, in the stable. <laughs> Give the horse a little hay, whatever horses eat. I don't know. Give him a little hay, give him a little oats, and sit down and relax. Man was 40 years old. My dad was 31 when he met my mother. My son Nathan was 35 before he ever found his bride. You better be patient. It's a long time to be married. He said, no problem, Brother Pat. Give me two weeks and I'll divorce her. Yeah, that's our problem. I'll divorce him. Give me a year. I don't like it. You know, now you've got uh, trial marriages. You've got TV. Good night. Arranged marriages, trial marriages. Somebody gets together. You know what? We're a messed up culture. All right. That's meddling. Let me go back to preaching. 16, and the damsel was very fair to look upon. A virgin. I like this. Her virgin. Now, now everybody knows what virgin is, right? Just in case you didn't know what a virgin was, God says, neither had any man known her. I like God. Just in case you think a virgin is something else. No man. Yeah, think about that. God's funny. I love God. I laugh at him. God makes me laugh. It's like, what about, you mean people don't know what a, yeah, because you know, you know what would happen? Culture would would devolve to the point where people don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. They don't know what, they don't want a virgin. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, just in case you don't know what a virgin is, neither had any man known her. She went down to the well, pitched her, filled her pitcher and came up. Servant ran to meet her and said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. I want you to notice how willing, how willing, how willing to follow, how willing, I'm going to repeat it again, how willing to follow. This is a stranger, by the way. Now, I know it's a different culture. It's not an American culture. By the way, your Bible's not an American book. Do you know that? So whatever, whatever you think like an American, you better put it on the shelf. Because nine out of every ten things, 99 out of every 100, go on to every, you know, the Bible you have is not an American book. It's a Middle Eastern book. It's a Jewish book. So whatever we think, like somebody said one of the nights, I think it was Wednesday night, my brother Stefano preached, you know what? 
here's what I'm going to say to you. Let me just throw this out to you. The American dream. Let me tell you what about the American dream. And I'm all for my country. The American, I'm going to say this. Some of you get mad at me. That's okay. Just pay me at the end of the week, all right? The American dream is not biblical. Just take that and chew on it for a while. The American dream is not biblical. I didn't get one amen, and I'm okay with me. Look at verse 17. The servant ran to meet her. Look at verse 18. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Look at the willingness. Look at the willingness to follow. The willingness to follow. Willingness to go beyond what she had. This is a stranger. She didn't have to give him water. She could have said, listen, partner, get your own bucket. This is my daddy's bucket. I got, I got a whole family waiting back there. The willingness to follow. She not only gives the Holy Spirit of God some water, she says, how about your camels? Can I? This is the way the church is supposed to be. You know, when the Holy Spirit of God gets in something, you don't have to have a conference telling your people, this is how to use your layman. I had eight, almost, I think, nine people the other day. We moved Marwa. We actually didn't move Marwa. We had to pack everything while the guy was loading the truck. Four guys, three guys were loading the truck uh, you know, as we were packing. Took us took all day. Some of us had to leave because they had work. But, you, but the thing, point being made, and I'm just, I just lost my, lost my train of thought. What, what is it? Oh, willingness. Thank you. I'm glad you're paying attention. We put a text out there. I got there, and I'm going to be honest with you. I walked into that place, and I think every man, and we had one woman, had Marie Aiello with us yesterday, and we walked into that place, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have moved people for a living. Okay? And this isn't an indictment on Marwa. But I've moved people for a living. I worked for Mayflower Moving for years. I worked in trucking for years, moving furniture. I walked into that place, and we were supposed to box everything up. I didn't know where to start. We put a text out. Somebody please help Pastor. It was, like a, it, was like, it was like I was begging. Somebody please. Pastor Mike's in Poland. This is supposed to be his baby. Somebody please help Pastor Pat. All right? I had eight people just right there. Boom, 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 boom. I wasn't using anybody. I would have washed their feet, man. I was just glad they were there. Work got done. All right? Work got done. Look at the willingness of this. Here's the first step of consecration, a willingness to follow. I can tell you this, though. You're not going to follow if you're not clean. You can have a saved soul and a, and a quickened spirit and a lost life. He says about the camels. So she's watering the camels, verse 19. 20 says, and she hasted, emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran again into the well of wa- draw water and drew for her, all his, drew for all his camels. This woman, this woman, this is how the church is supposed to be. This woman is going out of her way to love, to love this guy, to, to care on this guy. 
This is the Holy Spirit of God. Look at 21. And the man, meaning the eldest servant, wandered at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had, had made his journey prosperous. Now, I want to continue to read because I want to get down to verse number uh, 27 because I really like that verse. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden ring, half a shekel. Now, watch, watch what he's doing. He's giving everything to the future bride of Isaac. He's giving every, he has given everything to the future bride, the bride right now, the future wife of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got everything God wants you to have. You got it all. You got it all. It's got nothing to do with the house you live in, the car you drive, the amount of money you got in the bank. If you're saved today, listen to me. Listen to me. You need to get this in your heart. You and me, we have it all. Right. We have it all. I get overwhelmed the older I get in Jesus Christ and physically and read this book and realize you know what God yeah, ruined. My brother said it so well, ruined sinners to you have forgot what it was like to be lost. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a savior. I don't have any problem. I don't need another thing. If Jesus, if that's the only thing Jesus Christ would have done for me, it would have been it all. And yet he gives me and he gives me and he gives me and he gives me and he gives me. Let me tell you what. And the more he does that, the lower I go. It's like ruins. I remember I was not five, I was 20. I remember what it was like to be ruined. That's where you need to go this morning. That's where we need to go as a church. That will keep you soft. That will keep you compassionate. That will keep you loving. You say, but we need, you've got enough doctrine to choke a horse in this place. I probably can count the hairs on the angel's armpit. I can take you into the book. I think it's uh, the book of Song of Solomon. I can tell you how tall Jesus was, and I can tell you how much he weighed. That don't mean a thing if I don't have a broken heart for Jesus Christ. Let's continue to read, because i got to get down to 27. So in 21, the man wonders at her. 22 says, and came to pass as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring and a half shekel of weight, two bracelets from her hand and ten shekel weights of gold, and said, whose daughter art thou? Tell me. I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. And she said in 25, said moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough. Room to lodge in. 26 and 27. Man, oh man. The Holy Spirit had found the bride for Isaac. This Isaac, by the way, this bride had never met Isaac so far. She's going to meet him later on. 26 says, And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Type of the Holy Spirit of God. You know who the Holy Spirit of God? Yes, he's God. Do you know who he magnifies? 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father. And look at 27. It's one of those gold standard verses. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master and his mercy, of his mercy, and his truth. Now I have that whole verse highlighted, but starting with the letter, with the word I, letter I, I have it underlined, not only highlighted. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Do you know what the consecrated life starts with? It starts with, are you willing to follow? You say, well, does that mean i got to follow what First Bible Church? No, I didn't say, that, that's going to do it. Here's what we're following. You know how I know how to live? You know how I know how to worship? You know, if I know anything about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if I know anything about heaven, if I know anything, I have to be willing to follow. Here's what I want you to see, and I'm going to stop reading there. I want you to go just one more thing out of chapter 24. Now, this woman follows, and, and the eldest servant goes back and meets Rebecca's brother named Laban. And, but something is said about Laban. I want you to look at, starting around verse, uh, look at verse uh, chapter uh, 50 of, of yeah, verse, verse 50, excuse me, verse 50 of chapter 24. Matter of fact, I want to go back to 48. Because there's always going to be a, somebody trying to get you to not consecrate your life. Could be, could be even you. But let's say, let's say you've decided. Don't think this thing of sanctification, just like salvation. Don't think that salvation, sanctification, and, and consecration, dedicating your life, giving it devoted. And when we say dedicate your life, you've got to understand something. We're not talking about you going to Bongo Bongo land. That's, not one, that's a new country in Africa. It's called Bongo Bongo Land. No, it's not. That's not you becoming a missionary. Do you know when you go to work, you're a missionary? You know that. When you walk out your door and you wave to your neighbor that, that you might not like, you're a missionary. Okay. I try to remind myself of that. You're a missionary. Don't try to redesign that guy's hood with your baseball bat. You're a missionary. You're never going to win him by, by putting your baseball bat through his windshield. You're going to win him that way. Okay. But giving your life devoted and dedicated, it's got nothing to do with churchianity. It's got nothing to do with you holding the office of a bishop, of a deacon. Uh, it's got nothing, truth be told, it's got nothing to do. Everything with everything we think it's got to do. Consecrating your life is simply getting into this book, learning. Uh, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Learn, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. This entire thing that we do here several times a week is so that all of us might learn of Jesus Christ. Once you start learning of Jesus Christ, then you fall in love with Jesus Christ, and now you begin to follow Jesus Christ.
But it all starts with learning. That that eldest servant, he just he he gave, he he told he told her about Abraham. He told her about Isaac. He had all the wealth in his hands. But there's somebody that hindered him. I have you in. Uh, we're uh, reading chapter four, uh, verse forty. I keep saying chapter. Verse 48 says, I bow down my head, talking about this eldest servant, worship the Lord, bless the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had, had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. You know what that phrase, right way, means to me? There's a wrong way. Can I say this to you without any apologies? You step outside this book, you've got the wrong way. We're not talking how to uh, polish your car, okay? We're talking about life. You know, we're not talking about wax on, karate kid, wax on, wax off. We're not talking about how to balance your checkbook or how to wash your carpets. We're talking about how to live. Do you know how I know my country's in the wrong place? Because they have stepped... The leadership has stepped outside of the boundaries of this book. I don't make any apologies. I don't hate them. I am not going to throw stones at anybody. I'm not going to march on Washington. I'm going to, I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to continue to do. I'm going to get on my hands and knees and with a contrite heart and a broken spirit and a grieving heart, I'm going to pray for those men and those women who make those decisions that affect the entire world. You may not agree with that. But I've got book, chapter, and verse, so you're wrong. You're wrong. See, I do read my Bible. And I know you do too. 49, and now you will deal kindly and truly with my master. Tell me, if not, tell me. I, li- I like this. He says, I-, I like the way this is stated. And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. Don't mess with me, just tell me. Don't deceive me, don't don't play with my mind, tell me. And if not, if you're going to play with my mind, tell me that too. Just tell me you're lying. Tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. If you're not the one, just tell me right up front. I'll keep, I'll move on. Then Laban and Bethuel uh, and, and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her. Go. Let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. came to pass when he, Abraham's servant heard their words. He worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, gave them to Rebekah. And he gave, look at all the stuff he's given her away. And he gave also to her brother and to her mother's precious things. Now watch, something's going to happen here. And they did eat and drank, he and the men that were with him. So there were some men, unnamed men that were with him. Tarried all night, they rose up in the morning. And he said, send me away unto my master. Now watch this. Look at 55. And her brother, now they just, they've just agreed that she can go. And her brother and her mother said, so Laban and her mother Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go, she shall go. Now they've just agreed that she's going to go. Look what the the Spirit of God says. Look what the eldest servant says in 56. And he said unto them, 
Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel. And they, so they call Rebecca, and Rebecca says in verse 58, and she said, I will go. But do you know, do you know who hindered this consecration? Do you know who hindered this devotion? It wasn't Rebecca. Now, this is a true family thing going on. You know who's going to hinder your love of Jesus Christ beyond yourself? Take a guess. Family. Friends. That's just, that's the truth. Family and friends. So you have to make a decision. When, when you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, it's going to fly in the face of family. I can tell you this, it'll even fly in the face of family when everybody is saved. Because not everybody is going to see sanctification purifying this temple. And not everybody is going to see consecration wanting to present yourself a living sacrifice unto God. Because you're going to have a just desire. As a man said to me yesterday, he just got saved recently and he said to me, All I want to do, I want to know how to serve. <laughs> I can tell you when you, want to, when you get to that point... Because I've been there, and I said to him, as we sat just briefly together in the van, I said, there's a whole bunch of years between us, physically and in the Lord. And I looked at him, and I said, so do I, brothers, so do I. (laughs) But when you want to serve Jesus Christ, do you know who hindered the Holy Spirit of God? Family. Now, maybe your family's not a hindrance. Glory to God. But that's what I learned. Family and friends. Do you know that Jesus Christ at the betrayal called Judas Iscariot friend? The one who betrayed him. You know what I found out about being saved and wanting to be willing to follow Jesus Christ? I got to walk away from some things. And family's going to get angry at me. Friends. You know what I've come to realize, though? If somebody doesn't compel me on to God, if somebody doesn't move me on to God, do you know they're not my friend? They're just not. They're not. There might be people in this room today that some of our young people, some of our middle-aged people, some of our older people, they want to... Want to serve the Lord, want to, want to get to know God, want to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ. And even some people in our church would make fun of them. That's wrong. And I won't be honest with you. I'm not the pastor, I'm a pastor, but I better not hear of it. Yeah. Because you've missed the boat of what God wants to do here. If you have that mindset, don't mock or malign somebody who wants to fall in love with Jesus Christ, who wants to be here when the doors are always open, who wants to help an old pastor help some woman move. And they just they they call on their own and say, I'll help you, dear brother. I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you. You know, on and on and on. Male and female. Let me give you 
Yeah, we've read enough of that. Do you know that people follow in, uh, from what I can see, four different ways? Let me give you four different ways that people follow. This this will hit, I think, all of us. Can I take you to John chapter 6? John chapter 6. Four different ways that people follow. Now, Rebecca was willing to follow. That's the first part of consecration. Rebecca was, was willing to follow. Go to John chapter 6. Now, John chapter 6 is the discourse on the bread of life. And uh, it's a very, uh, you, you get into uh, around verses 50, uh, 52 down to the end, and things get a little sticky. Jesus, they're even sticky today for, uh, for religion. Because uh, Jesus has told them in verse number 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread. Now he's standing there right in front of them. Okay, Standing there physically right in front of them. And he says, I am the living bread. Came down from heaven. John 6:51 If any man eat of this bread he shall live forever and the bread that I shall will give uh, is my, is my flesh he's going to talk about crucifixion which I will give for the life of the world Now religion today gets into cannibalism and somebody with a long dress on calls himself a father dressed like a mother takes a wafer and says the body of Christ you say, are you picking a fight? No, I read my Bible. I'm not picking a fight. I just read my Bible. So this context is not transubstantiation. Where all of a sudden this wafer becomes the body of Christ. That's called cannibalism. 52. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Good question. How? Because he wasn't. Let's continue to read. 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, except you eat the flesh. This this is crazy. Except you eat the flesh of the Son of of Man. See, it's it's, it's there, Brother Pat. Drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, hath eternal life. There it is, there it is. It's written. See? Okay, just keep reading. And I will raise him up at the last day. Take, for my flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my, see, here it is, 56. He that eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, dwelleth in him, and I in him. There it is. Okay, I get to do that. See, they're, they're absolutely right. 57. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, there you go, even he hath, he, he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna. Notice what it said here. Did you catch that one? Not as your fathers did eat manna. So all of a sudden he went from something physical. He's been talking about spiritual things here. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forevermore. Talking about himself. We're talking about following Jesus. We're talking about learning. All right, let's look at 60. 
Many therefore his disciples. Now watch this. Many therefore of his disciples. So these are saved people. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? They just didn't understand it. Well, they didn't listen long enough. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now, Jesus has actually said this to a bunch of unbelievers, but now his own disciples are confused a little bit, and I can see why. But in 61, he says, Does this offend you? 62. What and and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up to heaven, uh, ascend up where he was before. Excuse me. It is the Spirit. There's the key right there. It is the Spirit. There's the key. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh... The flesh profiteth nothing. The flesh, remember Ishmael? The flesh, remember the wafer that religion wants to give? The flesh, remember this thing I inherited from Adam? The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, that's why we open the book and give you what the Bible says. They are spirit. Well, the spirits, what quickeneth. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning whom they they were that believed not and who should betray him, Judas Iscariot. And he said, therefore, said I unto you that no man can come unto me except that were given unto him of my father. There's Rebecca being given to the spirit. But look at 66. It might be just a little ominous when it's John chapter 6, verse 66. Might be just a little telling. You might want to note that one. Because this is the first group of people that they were following. But the doctrine got a little tough. The Bible said some things that didn't rub them the right way. Look at 66. From that time, many of the disciples went back. Not unbelievers here. Many of the disciples went back, walked no more with him. They decided. So, you know, here's the first group of people. We're going to wrap this up. Here's the first group of people. They decide, They were disciples. You may be a disciple here today. That means, you know what a disciple is. That's a believer. You may be a believer today. I may be a believer today. But somewhere along the line, I can tell you, this Bible is going to say something that because we are American citizens and we have this American culture, we're going to read something that's just not going to rub us right. You know, I don't hate anybody. You say you should hate the devil. He's got his own problems. He's going to end up in the lake of fire whether I like him or not. Okay. I don't hate people. I don't. I may get frustrated with people. This isn't a matter. But you know what? There's some people because the Bible says some certain thing. They think that Christians hate them. I don't hate sin. I guess you could say you hate sin. Sooner or later, if you're saved here today, the Bible's going to rub you the wrong way. It's a given. Get ready for it. I can tell you it does... Do I like everything I read? Who's kidding who? Here's a verse. (laughs) I love it. Here's a verse. I'm just... 
you stay, you stay there. I, I just want to give you a verse. I want to give you a verse that I don't like. You don't have to go there. Just listen to it. Here's a verse that Pat Dean doesn't like. This is being recorded, right, David? Hey, hey, wake up back there. This is a verse I don't like. Rubs me the wrong way every time. Rubs me the wrong way. Every time I read it, I want. God says, you want to be, you want to be, uh, you want to be like me, right? Yeah, Lord. Then you, you have to eat that word. You have to eat that verse. You have to take it inside. You have to meditate on it. You have to digest it. Let me give you the verse. 2 Timothy 2, 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Oh, man, alive. Apt to teach, patient. Oh, Lord God, give me a break. In meekness. I don't want to be meek. Instructing those that oppose themselves, if God prevention will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. But that entire 25 and 26 of 2 Timothy chapter 2 starts out by saying, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patient. Do you know why I hang around gentle people? Because I'm not gentle. I don't like that verse. You say, shoot that holy reverend, give it, you know. No, God knows my heart. And every time I read that, every time I every time God says, Oh yeah, you're a really good servant. You are a wonderful pastor. You are you really grown in Christ Jesus after 45 years. You really have you learned nothing? So I don't care how many verses you can quote. God says you're having trouble with that one. You still have trouble with that one. Sooner or later, something's going to rub you the wrong way, and you know what? You're going to stop following. I don't want to stop following. How about another one? Go to Luke chapter nine. Go to Luke chapter nine. So. There are those, they were disciples. Go to Luke chapter 9 with me and look at verse 57. This is, this is, this is, this is a neat one. I like this one. So, John 6, 66, a little bit of a tell there. Disciples stopped following. They, they, they just stopped following. Doctrine got too hard. I wonder what doctrine is going to get too hard for you and in 2016 or me, or me. Level playing field, remember? I wonder what doctrine is going to get too hard for you or me, and in 2016 we're going to give up. Because that's going to be it. I can guarantee you if we change the color of the wall, and we're going to, God willing, I can guarantee you we're going to put the, we're going to go, we're going to, what's it called, live streaming? They're working on live streaming. Crazy, I don't know what. i got to clean up my act if we live stream me. That's a, holy moly. i got to stop being Pat D to live stream me to the whole world. What doctrine is going to, to, to rub you the wrong way? What biblical truth is going to rub you the wrong way? 
and you're going to say, I just can't take that. Oh, I love this building, I love the, you know, but I can't take that doctrine. You know the glue that holds us together? It's not music, and it's not activities. The glue that holds us together is right here. Right here. Right here. You don't want me to lie to you, excuse me. You don't want me to lie to you, do you? I can start telling you fairy tales just like anybody else. So can Mike. Mike can tell them better than I can. So we'll just close the book and we'll just start telling each other fairy tales. Oh, and here's what we'll do. Here's what we do. Let me find somebody that really likes me. I mean, Chris Perfetto. <laughs> my buddy. You know what we do? Here's what we do. We'll close the book. Just close your Bible. Close it. Garbage. Close it. And you know what we'll do? We'll start stroking each other. I'm okay. You're okay. Don't worry about that sin. Everybody's got sin. Yes, that's true. Yeah. God doesn't, you know, God's, God's a God of love. Oh, he is too. But he's also a God of justice. And we just keep stroking each other. I wonder what doctrine is going to send you down the road. Or me. Or me. All right. I got you in Luke. I got you. In, I'm, I'm trying not to pick a fight today, but uh, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Go to Luke chapter 9 with me. Look at verse 57. Luke 9. I just want to start at uh, 57. It came to pass that uh, I want to read this, and then I want to ask you a question. And it's not a question to trap you, but I just want to... to I want to make a point and see see if you can pick up on on the answer to this question. Look at 57, chapter 9. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, Lord, now he didn't didn't call him master, so he he seemed to have a pretty good heart attitude. Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And the the response is, Jesus doesn't doesn't even question him on anything. He must have known the guy's heart. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, holes, birds have ne- of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Does, the response seems to be unusual there. So, there's no indication that this guy followed. All right. Now, let me continue to read. He said unto another, follow me. He didn't say that to the first guy. The first guy had wanted to. Jesus just stopped him in his tracks. 59. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Verse 60. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead. Whew, that's a rough one. You thought Pat Dean was rough. Let the dead bury the dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. 61. And another also said, Lord. You know, none None of them are saying master. That's a good thing. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee. Let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home. I've got family. I've got friends. Let them bid me, let me bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I didn't write the Bible. I just read it. That's a tough one. Tough. I know this is tough. Let me ask you something. 
from verse 59 and verse 61, just those two, tell me the two most important words to tell this whole story that will tell me how these people followed. From 59, verse 59 and verse 61, what are the two most telling words found in both of those verses? Who? Me first. (laughs) You pass. Whoever said all those, I give you guys a gold sticker. They would follow Jesus, but only on their own terms. Yeah, that is good. It speaks to me. It speaks to me. Me first. I will follow you, but me first. Now, they had legitimate things. Somebody's father. But you see, is it that Jesus didn't want him to bury his loved one? Of course not. Is it that Jesus didn't want them to say goodbye? Of course not. But this entire thing is how are they going? If that's how they're going to start their following, it's not going to end well. I can tell you right up front. You don't follow Jesus saying me first. Ain't going to work. You may be saved, but every time I want to put me first, I just impeded my own following. All right, let's look at another one. Don't worry. You got no place to go this afternoon. Don't worry about it. Look at Luke 22. So we had people that they just decided not to follow. They were disciples, but the doctrine got too hard. The Bible said some things they didn't agree with. As I said, the servant of the Lord must not strive. That's one of them. I don't like that verse at all. But I got to deal with it. A lot of things in the Bible I've had to deal with over the years because I was absolutely wrong. Look at, I've got you in Luke. Go to Luke 22. Luke 22. This is, this is, this is a real familiar one. Luke, Luke 22. And I am going to start, forgive me, I'm going to start around verse number 50. Oh, I won't read all this, but if you start around verse uh, 47. While he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew nigh unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus, I'm in Luke chapter 22, around verse 47, 48 now. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? 49, when they, uh, they which uh, were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them, who was Peter, one of them smote the servant, which his name was Malchus, ser- servant of the high priest, and cut off his right ear. See, that, that was, uh, you know, there's a part of me that really likes Peter. And... But I like him at the wrong time. You know. <laughs> so you got to watch that when you like somebody at the wrong time. All right? So don't like Peter. At the, like him when he writes First and Second Peter. That's the time when you should like Peter. Okay. Uh, 
It talks about pre- this old salty fisherman talking about precious promises. Did you ever hear a salty fisherman use the word precious? No. I, you know, I'm not a fisherman, but I've been around some old hardcore guys, and I've never heard them use the word precious. Oh, you're so precious. <laughs> I've heard them use a lot of other words, but never precious. Jesus answered in 51, Suffer ye thus far, and he touched his ear and he healed him. So Jesus picks up the ear uh, off the ground, puts it back on Malchus's head. 52 says, Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be ye you, be you come out as against a thief with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour. It's on a, it's on a schedule. Power of darkness. Now look at 54. Here is, here's the one who several days prior has told Jesus Christ, I will follow you anywhere. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. You know what I see there? You and I will follow, but only when it's favorable to us. There's going to come a time, if you decide to follow, that you are going to realize you are identifying yourself with Jesus Christ and the circumstances are not going to be in your favor. It might be at work. It might be at play. It might be with the family. But sooner or later, you, if you, if you make this choice to be consecrated, devoted, dedicated to Jesus Christ, you're going you're gonna to enter into a circumstance, a time period when it is, going to, it is going to be bad for you if you identify with Jesus Christ. And you have to make the choice. This would have been bad for Peter, and he knew it. Now, they dragged him in, John, and they dragged him in anyhow. But if you continue to read there, probably not here. Oh, look at verse 59, because this is a neat one, too. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Now he's not hanging out with Jesus anymore. He's hanging out with the guys who want to see Jesus die. So you have those that decided not to follow, John 6:66. You have those who would follow only on their own terms, Luke chapter 9. You've got now Peter who follows afar off. Now you're in Luke, go to Luke 7 and I quit. Luke 7. But I want to follow close. I want to be close. I do. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You know what keeps me going? I can't understand why Jesus Christ loves me. I don't. I can't. Good night. I can't understand why my, why, why my wife loves me. I can't understand why a 45-year-old man now, my oldest son, would text me three words, I love you. Change, change the direction of that entire day. Really. 
We're separated a lot. We're not the most conversational people. You know, him and I, we're like the silent crew, you know. It's just like uh, even when we're together, together, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's eye language and head butts and, and uh, you know, and, and, and nobody, you know, I went to bury my mom. Went to bury, I went to bury, uh, was, it, uh, was it mom? No, it was, it was dad. Went to bury dad and, uh, and rode back there. I actually, no, it was Nate, it was mom. Went back there and had Nate, just me and Nate. And uh, she was sick and in the hospital. She hadn't died yet. And uh, took eight hours to get from Staten Island, right from 17 Sherritt, uh, from door to door to, uh, to 17, uh, uh, 17th Street, where mom, 3029 17th Street, where my mom and dad lived at the time and Canton, Ohio, and it's about an eight and a half hour, and you know, the way I drive is eight hours, and uh, you know for that whole eight hours, my mom was sick and I knew she was ready to die, you know the only thing I said to Nate, and, and, and uh, you know what, that's my fault, the only thing I said to him, I said, after about three hours on the road, I looked over and I said, hey Nate, you hungry? He said, yeah pop. So I pulled over, we got something to eat, had a word of prayer over the table, got back in the car, didn't say another word to each other for another four hours. I, I know you're not like that, don't be like that. That's just the way, I mean, him and I just, you know, the youngest guy, we just, we're like chatterboxes. Nate and I just never had, I mean, we love each other. But you know what? That whole thing, I want to get close. I want to get close to Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to stop because of doctrine. I don't want to. I don't want to love follow Jesus Christ on my own terms. Can I take you to Luke chapter seven? Look at verse thirty-six. And I love. There will be a few that follow close, and I'll and I'll tell you why they follow close, and we're going to read it, and I'll close. Luke seven thirty-six says one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. <laughs> I wonder how I'm identified. <laughs> I wonder how you're identified. This woman got identified. This, this is probably Mary of Bethany. Because it's going to talk about an alabaster box and it only appears three times in Scripture. Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, sat at his feet behind him weeping, and began to, now watch this, began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. Do you know that 1 Corinthians tells me that the hair of a woman is her glory? It's her glory. That's why when a woman gets cancer and her hair starts to fall out, it's, it's really devastating. I mean, I watched it with Donna Beach. I watched it with my daughter-in-law. I watched it with other women. A man could get cancer. My grandson had cancer and his hair fell out and he didn't think twice about it. Ain't, ain't no big deal. I don't have to comb it anymore. But the, the hair of a woman is her glory, whether it's long hair or short hair. It's still her glory. It's something she's proud of and usually always looks very nice. She did wipe them with the hairs of her head. She took her glory. She took, listen to me, she took her glory and gave it to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you why. We're going to read. 
kissed his feet, anointed them with the ointment. So she's down on her hands and knees. She's, she's down in that prone position. And she's kissing the feet of Jesus Christ. Don't kiss anybody's feet but Jesus Christ. If religion has got you kissing somebody else's feet, some human being's feet, you're kissing the wrong feet. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth them, for she is a sinner. Jesus answering said unto, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. <laughs> God, you better watch out when Jesus says, I've got something to say to you. <laughs> and he saith, oh, here's a, a little bit of a problem here. Notice he didn't say Lord, say on. He said Master. There was a certain creditor, 41, which had two debtors. Two debtors. You know, Paul said, I am debtor. Paul didn't say, I am in debt. If Paul would have said, I'm in debt, there's a possibility over time I can get myself out of debt. But Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greek and to the Jew. Debtor, meaning I'm never getting out of debt. I owe, I owe. It's off to work I go. I owe. I am debtor. One 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Wow. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? You want to follow close? Here's the formula for following close. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, see thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Gave her glory to me. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she, here it goes, for she loved much, here it comes, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. You know what we need to remember? Ruin sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. You and I, I don't, know how you, I don't know how you look at all this. I can only tell you how I look at it. I was forgiven much. Much. There was enough damage done in the first 20 years of my life. I could do nothing but love him. Because he had accepted me in my sin, taking me willingly 
why would I not follow him? Why would I not consecrate my life? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Knowing not your, the condition of your heart, obviously this is not a salvation message. But perchance you've come in here and you know not the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you've heard about him. You may be religious. You, you may think you're righteous. But the Bible tells me Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven because man could not save himself. And it's so simple. All you have to do is receive the gift. Jesus Christ is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, it's simply receiving what Jesus Christ has already done. You say, how do I receive it? You just receive it. You, you, you take it as on, on God's word. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. Jesus Christ died for me. I accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in my behalf. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not a confession of sins. In all honesty, you'd never remember all your sins. This is not about sins. This is about you receiving Jesus Christ because you need a Savior. And if you'd like to know more about that, perhaps you came with a friend, perhaps you're on your own, perhaps you've been here since day one. That's why we're here. It all starts with salvation. Following Jesus is, comes later on. First, you need to get in the family. But First Bible Church, our beloved church family, there seems to have been a theme among many of us here. It's time to get clean, and it's time to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that's been, been done and being done. But I need to do that every day. I need to remind myself that I'm to present myself a living sacrifice. I need to stay in the Word of God, the well of water, so that I can get clean. Church, my brother Pat said it so well. I don't need more. I, 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 honestly, I don't need more churchianity. I don't need more programs that give me, you know, go, you know, I don't need any of that. You know what I need? I need to get close to Jesus Christ. I need to wake up with him on my mind. I need to eat my lunch with him on my mind. I need to, I need to go to the bank with him on my mind. I need to go to my job with him on my mind. I need to eat my supper with him on my mind. I need to go to bed with him on my mind. I need to bathe myself in the personage of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to be the heartbeat. That should be the heartbeat, the continued heartbeat of First Bible Church. Man, let's just join ourselves together.
I can see good things happening. It's happening in different age groups among us. I want to be part of it. I don't want to follow afar off. I don't want to stop following. I don't want to follow on my own terms. I want to follow close. How about you? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. I want to thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we've read much of it. We've read all the way back when Abraham chose a bride. The eldest servant showed that bride everything. We didn't even look at Isaac, who was in the field meditating. Forty-year-old man in the field. He knew his father had sent the eldest servant's father on a journey to get him a bride. He didn't know what she looked like. But when they met each other, they both were overwhelmed with each other. And I want to thank you that day, Father, when I met Jesus Christ. I did get overwhelmed with you. The years have been many, and there's been multiple distractions. But Father, help us all. Help us all to pull enough away from the ways of Egypt, the ways of the world, in order to get a good look at our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for God's people. Thank you for just for your presence, even this morning, right from the very prayer room. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. All right. Uh, there are no classes tonight, uh, both uh, Discipleship 2.